For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton jamie rivers gentlemen you know it's it's this is a bad way to start the podcast i'm going to tell you that right now I would like to talk about everything except blues hockey. <laughs> like, oh. The last two losses have been punches to my testicular region, yeah. and I am just in a real sour spot right now, man. Yeah, I understand it. It's tough, you know. And, and what's I think the biggest concern that that anybody has who's a Blues fan is, look, the Avs' loss is one thing. Okay, that's arguably the best team in the NHL right now. They're clicking, man. That, that's a good team. Probably should have won that game, I think. Second period was a disaster. 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 Then they play color or uh, then they play the the Coyotes, rather, and they're up two nothing in a, what I consider to be the ge- biggest game of the of the year so far. I will try to buy a vowel here. Sorry, guys. That's your Monday. <laughs> You're fine. And I'm still recovering from certain things over the weekend. Which now, we will get to. Yes. yes. <laughs> um yeah, so the fact that they came out with a 2 nothing lead against the Coyotes and then again squandered it and go on to lose that game. And then kind of, you know, the, the top players, not all of them, some of them kind of being called out by Craig Berube after the game. Guys, it's all too familiar right now. You know, we need to, the Blues need big names to step up right now, and that's not happening. And, and you know, one of the biggest names that needs to step up is Vladimir Tarasenko. I, I hate to to dog on the guy, and I know he hasn't played consistently in two seasons, but we need you, Vladdy. You know, it's funny we you say you. that because uh, uh, a very startling thing to me, and I'm not an X's and O's guy, and I'm not a numbers guy. I couldn't tell you the highest goal score uh, total for Vladimir in a season. I'm going to guess it's probably around, around the 30 mark. It's just over 40. Okay. See, I'm not, I'm not that guy. But when, but when somebody like a NHL Network or whatever says uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is struggling, he's a former 30-goal scorer, a 30-something goal scorer, however many years, I sit there and go, oh, my gosh, that's right. He used to be that guy. I forget that he used to be that guy. Things that are making me really, really concerned as a Blues fan, like Donnie said, kicks in the nuts all the time. But things that make me go, holy crap, we're not in this upper echelon anymore is when somebody says Tarasenko was a 30-40 goal scorer, and I don't even remember that. And then the other thing is when, on the NHL Network, when non-St. Louis Blues broadcasters are talking about how bad they are, start yelling at the at the TV, like defending. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I love watching the NHL Network. That's probably the network that I watch the most. But I hate it when the Blues lose and are going bad because that's all I seem to hear. And that's the place I am right now as a Blues fan. So so here's a question that I have about specifically about Tarasenko. And I was going to ask this anyway. And I'm glad you brought him up because then it doesn't – then I'm not bringing him up again because I know I have before. <laughs> oh, you're that guy. You're just waiting for your opportunity. But, Joe, man, like when I see Ryan O'Reilly – and I know they're different players, so I understand that. But Ryan O'Reilly works for every single – damn thing that he has and does everything he is just when he is on the ice you know he is on the ice 
Vladimir Tarasenko is not that way. And I know it's not the same kind of player, but I feel like if we're playing, paying somebody $7 million a year, we should know when he's on the friggin' ice. Right. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I do with things like that is I take the salary and I, I erase it. Okay. okay. Because I've always felt that as much as some people think, well, he's paid big money and that's, that's why. I understand. I fully understand that. But sometimes I like to to compare apples to apples, right? Like people used to do that to Jay Bowmeister all the time. Look at how much we're paying him. And I used to tell people, if he made the same as player X, you wouldn't be complaining, would you? Right. And then it ended up, well, Jay Bowmeister was a pretty valuable piece of this team. Oh, baby. So I'll take the victory on that one, okay? Now, Vladimir Tarasenko, he does make a lot of money. But to put that to the side, he's a dynamic player. So if you didn't know his salary and you saw his stats and you saw what he's been able to do in the past, you'd be like... This is a dynamic player. Mm-hmm. He needs to be dynamic. And that's what – he is much different than Ryan O'Reilly. Absolutely. Right. Okay? And, and I know that. You and know? I know you know that. Yeah. And that's fine. But the dynamic player still has to round out their game a little more when things aren't going your way, okay? Like Brett Hull, okay? And this is a great reminder because – and we'll talk about this, but the band got back together for the Bobby Plager celebration and – I happen to be fortunate enough to be sitting there talking to Garth Butcher, Wayne Gretzky, and Brett Hull, all in the same room, in the same like in the conversation. They actually knew who I was, so oh, that was kind of cool. That's cool. Well, you do wear walk around with that shirt that says "My name is Jamie Rivers." <laughs> I, I I may have had my jersey on uh, and a picture of me playing around right, my you neck. Your players' cards, <laughs> yeah. Now, but the point is, is that they talked about, and we were talking about the games. You know, the game that game was on the TV in our alumni room over at Centene, and. Gretz said a, a funny thing. He's like, you know, when guys are struggling, you have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. And Wayne Gretzky's a pretty good player. And so he used to say that about Hulley, too. He's like, Brett Hull, one of the best natural goal scorers to ever put on skates. When things started to dry up for him, you'd see him down in front of the net. And he'd get an ugly goal. He'd get one off his ass at some point, which is totally uncharacteristic of Brett Hull. But that's the player being a dynamic player who realizes that things right now aren't fantastic. I need to do something that's that's not Vladimir Tarasenko esque, and I think that I think that's what Craig Berube and we're all waiting for is that extra little oomph right. at times, or maybe get to the net and battle and get a rebound goal, get a deflection goal. I don't see that right now, and I think that's ultimately the problem. And back to me, the fears that I have being a Blues fan right now to where a couple of years ago, year and a half ago, I was sitting pretty, and I'm like, I'm very, very confident going into every game. But two things. One, when Barube starts calling out the players that don't need to be called out or shouldn't have to be called out, that worries me big time. And also, I guess it was a Minnesota game where Blay scored and then Bozek scored. Was that the Minnesota game? Yes. Yes. I sat there and thought, oh, well, we should win by one at least because those two guys scored. All we no, need is actually, the guys. No, that was the Coyotes game. Was it the Coyotes yeah, game? They, did they not come out and score right away? And yes. They, and then Bozak scored on the yes. power play? Yes, yeah. that was the Coyotes That's game. That's the Coyotes yes. game. They're up uh, two Cobb early. Yeah, but really, well, I haven't heard Cobb since uh, Kelly Chase in the in the locker room a million years ago. Well, that's that. probably wow. why I just said it. Just around that knucklehead. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> you probably heard it, didn't you? Probably. But my whole point was. I'm not confident as a, as a Blues fan anymore. And when Blay scores and then Bozek scores, I go, oh, well, we should win by one. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. That's not the right way to think as a confident hockey fan. No, um, but it is it is a smart way to think about it. If you, if you look at the way the St. Louis Blues play hockey, they get up by two goals when they're on their game. That should be it. That's, that should be all they need. Yeah. You know, it should be. They should be able to close out the opponent. They should be able to uh, step on the gas a little bit, put the pressure on. What happened was the reverse, and 
I don't always think it's the Blues taking their foot off the gas. However, I will say it looks like that. But the opponents right now who are recognizing the importance of these games, they're hitting the throttle and the nitrous oxide, mm-hmm. and they're taking their game to a higher level. And the Blues then are kind of like, it's like if you're in a fight, someone pops you a good one, you're not expecting it, and you're kind of like, whoa, you're on your heels, and then that person's not stopping. Now you can't get your bearings back, and before you know it, you're on your ass looking up, right? It's kind of like that for the Blues right now is they're getting popped back in the chin, and then they're like, oh, wait, 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 we're trying to get back into this, but the other team just keeps on coming. But that used to be the Blues doing that, man. I understand. I understand. I I think, I Uh. I mean, I think as this season has gone on, and it's something that we've talked about before, so it's not a new thing, but the longer this season goes, the more Steen, Bo Meester, those steady, I mean, obviously, Petro, those steady Eddie guys, man. forbidden word. We are just, yeah, I mean, we are just (laughs) missing them. And okay, so I want to ask, I want to ask one more about, about Tarasenko. Am I expecting too much? No. No. Donnie, again, okay, we can say he's paid $7 million. That's a quick one, okay? Let's put it to the side. Again, let's look at his stats. I brought it up on the fast lane last week. I think it was Friday. We each picked uh, our most important player down the stretch. And, of course, Bennington was removed because if you don't have a number one goalie, you don't have a chance. Right. Uh, and On defense, I picked Marco Scandella. A little off the radar because if you're going to compete, you're going to need depth. And so your top two, Krug and Falk, or Pareko and Falk, however it is, I'm expecting those guys to elevate their game. You're going to need a Scandella. But to your point about Scandella early in the season, you said he was the number one shutdown guy at, was great. at one point, so he can be there. He can. And he's. He, I don't think Marco Scandella has done anything wrong. He's mm-hmm. just been Marco Scandella. And that's what you're paying him to do. You know, That's what you want out of him. But my forward that I picked was Vladimir Tarasenko. And, of course, Ryan O'Reilly is an obvious choice, right? But if you dig deep into it, Vladimir Tarasenko could be the most important piece of the puzzle because he's supposed to be the guy that makes a difference. He's supposed to be the guy that's an automatic goal a game. He's supposed to be the guy that every second game is a power play point, something like that, right? And he's not right now. So when you look at their Stanley Cup run, what do you have, 11 goals in that run, uh, 17 points or 18 points in 26 games or something, and they were big. Like They were big. I'll never forget this, and I brought this up on the show. Think about the Game 7, Boston Garden. Vladimir Tarasenko outworks and outskates the Boston Bruins player down the ice to get to the puck first, turns and puts it on a tee for Braden Shen, who puts it in the back of the net. Yeah. That's the difference maker. Yeah, but we don't see that guy. I understand. And we don't see that guy near freaking enough, and it's to the point where it it is it is making me sour. I, I just I, it, it is making <laughs> we don't want is, him sour. It is do souring we? me on ninety one, and I don't want to do that. I, can I ask a follow up before we Absolutely move on? Absolutely not. You mentioned Tori Krug as as the best <laughs> as one of our best two. Oh, you both shut up and just let me have this. I, I said okay. he was part of your top three. Top, top three. Okay. Yes. I swear, I see. That dude gets skated by more than almost any other Blues defenseman. All right? I understand that I might not fully appreciate what his strengths are. But, I mean, Jesus H., I swear I see him getting getting mowed past by somebody almost every game. There's almost no physical play that I have seen at this point. And I know that he's got a bunch of points and things. Is this a guy that might be... Just kind of playing a, I mean, is he playing out of position? Is it the Falk thing where he's just not in his right spot? Am I crazy? Please tell me about this. So 
one, you're absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, for sure. We didn't even that's need That's the easiest one of the bunch. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. Regardless of everything. Um, now, that being said, uh, look, Tory Krug is in an interesting position. One, how, let me start, okay? And, and let me work my way through this. You got signed the day after the franchise lost its franchise defenseman, the captain of their team, the guy who's the first guy to hoist the Stanley Cup above his head and is one of the top five defensemen in the NHL. Pressure is massive, right? And Doug Armstrong did. He pivoted in a great way and found the second best defenseman on the market. It was Tory Krug, but he wasn't Alex Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. Not all around game, okay? And now he was expected to come in and run a power play. That had some speed bumps. It still does. At times it's great. At times it has some speed bumps. He's adjusting to this new role with the Blues. It's not a new role for Tory Krug. But it's a new role for him being in a different team. He's mm-hmm. been a Boston Bruin his whole career. Right. He's worked a certain power play with certain players his whole career. Uh, and now also he's being expected to shut down other teams' top lines, at least one of their top two lines. He wasn't always expected to do that in Boston. And when that responsibility came, he had a guy named Zidane Chara that was his partner. Mm-hmm. That kind of helps. Right. Okay? Zidane Chara is one of the best defensive defensemen maybe in the history of the NHL. For various reasons, right. okay? He's still playing. He's 44 years old. I don't even know what's wrong with this guy, okay? I love him, and he might be the father of my son, but that's okay. I had heard that. <laughs> I keep sending out text messages to ask for a little college tuition. It's nice. Maybe you a birthday card. You got the money, Zidaneo. Yeah. You got yeah, the money, right. man. Come on, come on, Big Z. No, he's one of the nicest guys ever. I don't think he'd do that, although you never know. But that being said, uh, <laughs> so that's the biggest thing for me is, yeah, to your point about is this a Justin Falk thing? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, Justin Falk didn't have a great season last year. It's no secret. Justin would tell you himself. He'd be like, yeah, it just wasn't a fit right away. It's been a way better fit this year. We're see, we've seen night and day with Justin Falk, but we're seeing a little bit of that at Tory Krug because he spent his whole career with the Bruins. Different philosophy, different system, different players, different responsibilities, and, you know, it just hasn't, it hasn't been bad, okay? But it hasn't been what everybody expected. But my question back to you guys yeah. is, did we expect, did all of us expect too much? Yes, I think I did. I, I Honestly, yes, I, I yeah. do like, think is I it, did. Is it a little unfair, maybe, yes. to Yeah, I, I think part of it was, yeah. who he was who he was signed right after losing. But, so which could have no direct correlation, None right? whatsoever, yeah. Like, no. it could not even be linked, but he will forever be linked yeah. to that just because. Yeah, and I think a lot of people expect a lot more defensively from him than we're getting. Yeah. And I know you warned us, hey— this guy was not signed to clear the front of the net. This no. guy was signed to shoot pucks on net, run a power play, that sort of thing. But you're not going to get a defensive stalwart with this guy. I just thought no. it might be a little bit better. Than That's it what I'm saying. Okay, man. but in fairness to Tory Krug right now, okay, there are different players that haven't elevated their game defensively as forwards either. Of course. The right. responsibility, as Craig Bruby always says, their game starts on the forecheck. If they don't get in and close guys out quickly, then that creates gaps. And we talked about the amount of time to make a play. If mm-hmm. you get just a little bit more time to make a play, this is the NHL, man. These guys are good. They're going to find the tape-to-tape pass. They're going to find the guy that's wide open. That's why it's essential that on the forecheck, it is completely in sync, and they're, they're a five-man unit working together. When it's not, then disasters happen. And so Tory Krug, then, sometimes he's hung out to dry because where he should be, he can't go because there's not, the coverage isn't proper. Then they get the pass to a guy who's wide open. Now he's trying to readjust, and that guy's flying. I'm not excusing him of of having some bad moments, 
but it's unfair sometimes to isolate one player. It's like the goalie takes all the, the crap, right? Yeah. Well, the goalie sucked. Well, they had seven breakaways. Right. You know, right. how did that happen? Right. Sometimes you got to trace it back to the... You know the origin of the play. Well, yeah, a lot of I'm sorry, but a lot and I'm of, kind of protecting him right now. A lot of okay. a lot of times, what we see, I think, what Donnie's keying on, and for sure, me is just that winger flying down the his side, the, so yeah. their right side, I guess, and just going past him. He can't he can't make that adjustment from here to turning and going with the guy. But to your point, I guess he's got to head the forward. Their forward yeah, has that head of steam. I'd have to know exactly what plays, right, to dissect it sure, and say, yeah. okay, this is his fault, this is not his fault. Yeah. And some of them are. I'm, I'm not I'm not taking all the blame off of Tory Krug. No. My biggest problem with Tory Krug has been in the uh, – not problem with him. My problem with his play has been in the defensive zone to where guys are standing in front of the net unattended to. Guys are just rolling off of him and then getting secondary chances – but again, did we expect more? I don't know, right? Yeah. He's a five foot eight guy, maybe with heels on. Right. Okay, right. he's not like he's not supposed to be your bruiser back right. there. Right. Yeah. It, to me, though, then then and hindsight is completely twenty twenty, and it's so easy to be armchair Doug Armstrong. But to me, these last couple of games have just reinforced the fact that I think the Blues need another solid body. Uh, not sexy defensive defenseman back there, man. And they'll probably address that in yeah. the season. You know, they've got Vince Dunn, who is a, is a restricted free agent. So I would imagine that if they choose not to re-sign him, that they would move him for a pick or as part of another deal. I think Doug Armstrong sees that they need another, another moose back on the D, mm-hmm. especially when your decor won a Stanley Cup as the biggest average height and weight in the NHL. The year you want it. I mean, you had Bowmeister, Pareko, Petrangelo, Edmondson, Bortuzzo. Those are some oak trees. My God, you had five of them. Yeah, I, had, I mean, you did. You had some, and Carl Gunnarsson. He's, oh yeah, he's six two. So what happened to Bortuzzo? What's going on with him? Well, I think he found his way into the doghouse. I don't know. I mean, I, unfortunately, with the way COVID is, you're not around the team as much. Um, and you're, I, I wouldn't be talking to him anyways because I've been in this position. The guys don't want to talk about it when they're not playing a lot. Sure. I see that Robert Bortuzzo, in my opinion, um, he had a tough stretch. And Craig Berube just said, I've seen enough. Put in Jake Wallman. And Jake Wallman hasn't done anything really to warrant being pulled out, right? So you look at Robert Bortuzzo and you're like, okay, so who do I replace to put Bortz in? Okay, well, I can't replace Krug, Falk, or Pareko. I can't replace Scandella. So, but then I got Vince Dunn. Now, Vince Dunn, by the way, he's been on fire with mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. with the power play, the second unit, and him and Mike Hoffman have something going on. You pulling him out, and so then your next option is Jake Wallman. But apart from that one play where he got it poked off his stick at the yeah. blue line, which yeah, I don't but, care. You, know, you what? know what? God forbid he was trying to make something happen, though. Let the young kid play. Yeah. I can tell you from my own experience, the biggest, the worst thing that ever happened to me is not letting me just play and figure it out. Yeah. And then you sit there and you're crapping your pants every time you touch the puck, right? Let the young kid play, but he hasn't done anything so bad that you're like, oh, he needs to come out. In fact, he keeps getting better and better and better. But but what so about what? what about this whole thing? Hey, we oh, we got a bunch of second basemen in front of the net trying to clear people out. Bortuzzo's a big boy. If you're not happy with Krug right now, maybe give him a, give him a night off. Ain't gonna happen. Not Jeff. gonna happen. It huh? is absolutely not gonna happen. Right now, with the with 12, 13 games left in the season. Uh, you're you're turning to your horses, your big horses. But is he a and horse? Listen, listen to what we've been talking about, with Jeff. Crew. He is. He, he is. is. 
Think about what we started by saying. He will forever be linked to Alex Petrangelo. Right. You pull him out of the lineup now in the most important time of the season, you've got six more years of this. Yeah. What do you like? Think about this. Oh boy, that sets the stage it's for all, a terrible relationship so he going just forward. Needs to work right? it out on the ice. He needs to figure it out. Saying. And Craig Berube, if I'm chief, I'm not pulling him out. I'm looking at him, going, "You got to figure this figure out. Figure it out. Yeah, you're our number one defenseman based on what the expectations are." Let me. So ask- uh, just to follow up on yeah. that. Sorry. No, but, guys, but fight, you'll fight, fight. No, no, no. <laughs> but but you'll pull out Hoffman and sit him because he's not doing a job because yeah. not as much as ex- expected him. If you pull him out, well, it's 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 not as big of a glaring hole. At the time, they were thinking about trading him. Right. Okay. So not not that who cares, but who cares? Okay. What has he got left on his contract? Right. Yeah. Nothing. Twelve games or whatever he's, it is. Twelve yeah. games. Thirteen games yeah. if they don't make the playoffs. Right. You wash your hands. You're done with it. Okay. There's no after effect of you know pissing a guy off like you would with a Krug or a Falk right now, or a Pareko if he was playing bad, which he's not. He's playing pretty well right now. Yeah, he now. really is, yeah. Okay. So you have to be very, very careful with this. Some of this is, is people management, too. You have to, you're have you not just coaching the game, you're coaching people. And if you start to lose some of your guys because you're being a little too hard, or my argument, if I was Tori Krug, I'd be like, give me the ball. I know I'm crap right now, or I know I've made some bad plays. Uh, give me the ball, though. I want to keep give me every time, and I'll figure it out. If a coach pulled me out, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, really? And it's embarrassing. And right. it's like, then then what are we going to talk about? Well, they should have kept Petro. Right, right. I mean, we're talking about it anyways, but if you pull him out of the lineup, I don't know. That's the way I see it. Mm. You guys don't have to agree with me. It's fine. Well, I, cu- I don't. Sure. A couple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a, a couple of questions here. Uh, first being for Vince Dunn. Do you think the Blues re-signed Vince Dunn? Um, I don't think think they do uh and it's not because i don't like vince dunn i'm a big vince dunn fan i think that he i compared him to phil housley not too long ago just uh, not in his overall production but the skills that he has his skating ability his puck protection the way he moves around the ice reminds me very much of a phil housley Mm -hmm. but i think that jake wallman has uh, has emerged here he's got great speed he's got great puck skills he's getting more confidence and to your point earlier, the Blues have to address this at a bigger level, which is, where's my big defensive defenseman here? You know, where's my other guy? And if they can't address that, then, like, if you can't go buy it, which is going to be very difficult because it's a cap team to begin with, and depending on what they do, like Bozak's expiring, they'll lose somebody in the expansion draft, Hoffman probably not re-signed. So there'll be money available, but you got to sign Schwartzy, number one priority there. And go from there and see what you're looking at. All right, uh, follow-up follow question here. I almost said final question. Uh, can you <laughs> can you talk about you know one of the one of the the people that I have not questioned through any of the Blues troubles this season? Don't or do last. it. Don't no, no, do no, it. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just Jeff, let me ask stop the guy. Jeff, turn his mic off. Let me ask the question. I will yell. Uh, let me ask the question. I'm not. <laughs> listen, Jesus. I have turn loved my ears down, please, dude. I have loved uh, Coach Baruby from the second. That he took over as the Blues coach. I am in no way, shape, or form at all. I've never had an issue with anything that, that the coach has said or done. But then my question for you as the pro that actually knows what he's talking about. 
How do you feel that Coach Berube has handled this team uh, through this year, which has obviously been so tough with injuries and, you know, obviously the big change with no Petro. What do you, how do you think uh, of, the, of the team going forward with, with, with Berube as the head coach? I think you, had, you would be absolutely out of your mind to change that. And to think that he has anything to do with any issue. Right? Guys, what has he done differently? Yeah, I'm just asking. No, no, I swear I'm, I don't believe Donnie, that. it's a conversation, okay? Right. <laughs> what has he done differently? <laughs> Okay, like think about it. Yeah, what has he changed? His expectations are the same as they were the day he took over. His truth serum is the same as it was the day he took over. His belief in his players, for the most part, is the same as it was when he took over. Is he disappointed with guys? Yeah, but does he believe in them? Yes, he does. Okay, so I don't see. To me, that's an absolute like. No way. Crazy no. talk. Crazy talk. You have a great staff behind your bench. You have the luxury of having three former NHL players behind your bench, a former NHL player who's your eye in the sky and Jim Montgomery. You've got a tremendous staff. You don't mess with that. All right. Is that who you were thinking he was going to say, or were you thinking? No, I knew else? exactly where he was headed. Okay, <laughs> I saw the hamster put on protective eyewear. And well, but you know, and the reason that I did that though is because you know, through the course of this, I try to think of okay, well, who have I not bitched about? And it could potentially be, be you know, be we them. We need to or get the roster, Jeff. Yeah, we I need just... to like check guys off. Donnie's gonna. Have... <laughs> I try. I swear to God, guys. I swear, I try to not focus on that. And to be a more evolved sports fan. And I think a lot of it just comes down to frustration, man. I just, in watching that Colorado game, and listen, I understand that it's the abs, and I understand it's the best team in the league. I get it. But the level of play in the second period versus the first and the third, I just don't understand and, that drop off. And then it they come out, nuts. and then they come out and go, "Yeah, well." And then we had a little bit of a stinker in the second period. Ah! Yeah, I know you did. Well, but what are they supposed to say? I, I don't know. What are you I mean, supposed like, to say? Are no. you supposed to? Are you supposed to insult the fans' intelligence and be like, "Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, we did okay. I thought we stuck to our game. Guys are working hard, and everybody at home become unglued. But you but, might put your fist through the flat screen, Donnie. Right, right. Okay, but." Everybody at home, if you're if you're looking at that angle of it, which you need to, obviously, but everybody at home is going, well, but then why don't you do anything? Jeff, how do you, you fix know that, 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 that period two is bad, so fix it. That's our frustration. I understand. It's not as easy as that I'm sometimes. sure not. You know? yeah. oh, right, and especially when you're going against the best team in the league. Like, yeah. But the problem be- with that, though, Donnie, is it's happened like with the worst teams in the league, too. Yeah. That second period has been an absolute disaster for the Blues. Now, Craig Bruby... Uh, last week told us that he was happy with last you know, the five-game period that they had, thought his second periods were better. I wouldn't disagree with that. But let's look at the, the season as a whole so far. The second period has been a disaster. I, I had the numbers out earlier. I can't remember because I'm still half hungover from Saturday night. <laughs> we need uh, to transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, the story time. They've been outscored by an astronomical amount in the second period. And three of the goals that they scored in the second period of their five, they've got five second period goals. Three of those were against the Minnesota Wild in that blowout. So if you delete that game, it's been really bad. Is it it dumb to think that Barube or whatever coach in a professional team can go, guys, the second period is coming. Focus. Yeah, I mean, what We're do you even do? Doing it in the second can, period right now. Let's focus. You can all right? try to do that, but then you also don't want to hyper focus on it, so that everybody, so that it becomes a mental block for everybody. Either it's a fine line, Jeff. Yeah. Boy, I guess so. Okay. Oh, yeah. Look at you guys are right. You're 100 percent right. I agree with you. I am absolutely on the same page as you guys are right now. It's unacceptable. Okay. 
But I also know that if you hyper-focus on it, just like anything else, if I told you guys something, what you told me a long time ago uh, in radio, you have like your your go-to things you say. What did you call that? Uh, crutches. Okay, your crutches, right? So if I said, hey, Jeff, I, I noticed this crutch you've got. I'm going to hyper-focus on you're it. Gonna, yeah, you're going to be all in I'm your gonna... own head, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I know it's radio and one's hockey, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It's your profession, right? So if somebody makes you hyper-focus on something you're really crappy at, then all of a sudden it could go the wrong way. Now, the flip side is that, of that is that it might work too. You might have guys that bear down more. What we're seeing right now, what I'm seeing is there's a gap in the level of play between certain players and other players in the second period. Some guys are keeping the tempo high and working and doing productive things, but then the drop-off is too big to the next group of players that are not doing it. Okay, one more thing before we talk about the other thing. Do you believe <laughs> one okay, more I'm thing sorry. before the other? I'm, thing. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I just I think it's stuff that how you while we're wrote talking. Down one more thing. Um, <laughs> so, do you think is there a chance? Uh, and obviously, there's a chance for anything. But do you believe that his play, going back to Tarasenko, do you think that they would potentially move him in the offseason? Oh, is that boy. at all possible? I mean, let's go back to a famous quote, right? Wayne Gretzky got traded. Anybody can be traded. Let's just. I right. mean, that's the bottom line. Sure. Right? Um, it would be difficult, I think, because he's been injured for two seasons. His production, not there. And I would turn, when Army, if Army called me, I'd be like, okay, so why are you getting rid of him then? Right, right. Why would I want him? Yeah. Eh, change the scenery. Yeah. Right. It's possible, okay. But then you're going to eat $3 million of that contract. If it's just a change of scenery, then I, you know, I've got a little insurance here that you're going to eat about $3 million of that contract back on your salary cap. And that way there, I feel comfortable with this $4 million player putting up 10 goals as opposed well, to... The, my reply would know? be, uh, yeah. well, he likes the scenery here in St. Louis. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. This time of year is very, very nice. But this is where you're at. In a salary cap world where the cap's not moving, you've got to reinvest into your players, uh, and not financially always, but just in the coaching and in you know the, the, the preparation and the working with that guy. Because you, I don't want to say you're stuck, because it's crazy to say you're stuck with Vladimir Tarasenko. Right. But you're stuck with Vladimir Tarasenko right now, in my opinion, unless you're willing to make a hockey trade where you can find another $7 million player that needs a change of scenery. Those guys are not around all over the place. You get Milan Lucic, maybe, in Calgary. He shouldn't be making what he's making, but are you are you trading for that guy? Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I love Luch, and I think he's a perfect fit in Calgary. I don't know how great he'd be here. I mean, would you trade Tarasenko for that guy is what I'm saying. No. I mean, I'm not- sure some people right now listen. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. Call that guy's him. a killer. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we have, we have you know, I, I guess I've beaten Vladimir Tarasenko up enough over the course of the last yeah, 25 minutes. Wow, so we can probably, probably move on. Wow, uh, but uh, crazy continue wearing a Tarasenko jersey. <laughs> <laughs> over the weekend um, at Enterprise Center, uh, the, the life of... Uh, Bobby Plager was celebrated by fans um, and 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 friends alike. Um, but I, from what we understand, there, Jamie, there was a little uh, little get together on Saturday night with some of the old players. Oh man, how's yeah. that going, Bub? It. I am still. I'm. Ki- I'm not kidding you. My brain is still like in slow motion. Um, <laughs> we had a little. You know, Bobby Plager. One of his biggest requests was that, or one of the biggest things he talked about was we always get together. People come into town from all over, and we get the band back together every time somebody dies. Or, and that's what's happened. We had a couple of passings in the last few years, and people fly in, and we all see each other, and it's like, oh, my God, I miss you. Or, hey, how you doing? Oh, my God, I forgot how much I, I love this guy, you know? So Bobby's biggest thing was 
I want a party. Throw a party. Which feels just exactly perfect. Well, it's on point, yeah. right? So uh, we had a party at the Centene Community Ice Center. From 7 to 10 at night, there was a ceremony outside, which they did a fantastic job, by the way. And kudos to Lance over at Centene. Amazing, amazing job putting it together. And the people that were there was phenomenal. Now, we also had a little side party inside the alumni dressing room that is over at the Centene Ice Center now, which is, I mean, it's crazy how amazing this room is. And... Yeah, we had a cast of characters. We had, you know, Chaser, Twister, Tom, Tilly, Garth Butcher, Kelly, uh, Brett Hall, Wayne Gretzky, Reed Lowe, Cam Jansen. Like, it was crazy. Wow. And the drinks were flowing. At one point, I thought people were just spilling them. <laughs> they were going so fast. I remember looking over, and, and, and even my own glass, I'm drinking. For, how funny is this? Wayne Gretzky's pouring Wayne Gretzky whiskey. Sure. <laughs> Why not? I'm like, hey, Gretz, uh, you want some of my whiskey? <laughs> He's like, he looked at me. I go, I got to go to the gas station. and three bucks on the shelf. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you walk into a party with your own whiskey, that's cashier. Oh, right man. There, man. He, well, he didn't, in fairness to Gretz, he didn't walk in. It would just happen to be there. Right. Sure. And so we're drinking the whiskey, and I look down. I'm like, holy crap, my cup's empty again. And I was like, again? I felt like Herb Brooks. Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> And at that point, like, the stories are – the guys are remembering certain things. And I forgot, you know, how how hilarious Garth Butcher is. And I say that, I think, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot how funny Butch he was. And I forgot that Butchie and I were together here at the start of my career. And just an awesome dude. Tom Tilly, too. Like, Tills yeah, is a guy that Tilly, goes – he goes under the radar a little bit because he just wasn't a flashy player yeah. and, and whatnot. But he's just an awesome dude and loves to laugh and has some really funny one-liners. It's just amazing to get to Tilly together would have guys. had a better NHL career if his last name was like Tillman or Tillerson. Because Tilly sounds like the nickname already. Yeah, but we That's changed That's what it. messed me up no, with no, him. No, no, it's totally different. We call him Tills. Oh, so much better. <laughs> so much better. I've talked about this, and I want to get back to more of your stories, but I've talked about this before with you about uh, how the nicknames in hockey are so screwed up. Because you've got a long name, you shorten it. If you've got a short name, you make it longer. Yeah. So you're not really saving any time here. <laughs> no, but then you do like have Chase. S- We're going to call him Chaser. But then you do have some unique ones, right? Like every now and then you you warrant a, your own special nickname. And yeah. So that's always fun. Like guys call me Sugar, and I don't know if you guys know the story behind it or not. Uh, I, I don't, don't know if we want to know the story. No, this behind. one's okay. okay. This one's okay. <laughs> There's no way he's volunteering it if it's not okay. Yeah. Great point. That I, one's, I, yeah. may, I mean, maybe I'm still hungover. Maybe I'm still drunk. Uh, no, uh, you, you know, I broke in on long hair. Like yes. crazy oh, yeah. long oh, yeah. hair, yeah. earrings, tattoos. Like nobody really looked like me in the NHL at that time. So Joel Quenville, uh, he wasn't a big fan of the hair and the whole, like, he's like, you look seriously like you belong in a rock band. Right. You don't and you be- went, thank you. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Great. You know? And he's like, yeah, not me though. And so I went back in the summer and got my hair cut to almost what it is today. Obviously a little fuller and not as gray. Um, with that being said, I had a little frosted tips in it, right? Just because that was the time that to do it. That was the time. That yeah, was the time. Sun in, maybe a little sun in. No, no, I got like it done properly. Oh, did you? Yeah, because I was like, I still have to be me, you know? Right. Like, can't come in looking like the accountant. Guys would be like, that's fraudulent. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And so I came in, and Mark Bergevin, who's one of the funniest guys to ever play in the game. Always heard that. He's like, oh, my God. It's Sugar Ray. <laughs> when I walked in. <laughs> and, 
So after that, it was it got changed from Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray to Sugar Riv, and then it got shortened to Sugar. And like so that. the guys from that era of like ninety five to two thousand, when we see each other, it's it's actually been shortened now to Shug. Like prongs will be like, "Hey, Shug, how you doing?" And, and Chopper, Al McInnes, Sugar. So people, I say, Sugar, Sugar. Hey, Jeff. I'm like, because I'm so sweet. I say we do it. Can you imagine calling these players by their nicknames oh, like he gets to do? God. Oh, my God. How awesome is that? I, my, my, my skin crawls thinking, Ch- hey, Chopper. <laughs> Chopper. What's going on, Chopper? If you said it or if I said it, yeah, yes. forget about it. Jamie says it just fine. <laughs> Was Al there throwing back or no? Uh, no. He, I, do, he doesn't seem like that guy, at least not anymore. I don't know. Well, he would. Al Al likes himself a good party. Don't kid yourself. Oh, good. All these guys do. Okay. Anybody who you think is like, like on the straight and no, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, okay. okay. Well, the only reason why I bring that and up, I is mean the, it in the best possible way. The the charity softball game where you almost hit me in the face with your fist over a softball bat. Um, Al McKin- not true. This this story gets better with age. I know it's great. And I remember it was like the last inning and. Uh, a female that was there grounded out, which would have been the last out, and they fumbled it like, oh, she made it to first. And Al was like, uh, some of us would like to go home. <laughs> you were playing the game to win, man. Enough's well, enough. That's the other thing, too. He was on the team that would have won if Pronger would have recorded the out. Yeah. But he did one of those things where it's like, oh, sorry. One of the funniest things ever, by the way, is one of those softball games this was at SLU, okay? Remember those uh-huh. games we played, the media versus the Blues? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was yeah. AstroTurf still at the yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so um, Al McKinnis got a brand new glove. And it was like one of those, uh, like not white, but it was like the light, light leather, fancy looking glove, you know? Like he bought it just for this game because he must have lost his or forgot it or I don't know what or happened. Or maybe didn't own one. Possibly, yeah. okay. Uh, although he's from Nova Scotia, they play a lot of that fast pitch, that underhand softball fast oh, pitch. Boy, I didn't and know that. Those guys are big, yeah, on that. So he probably had a glove. Maybe it was left in Nova Scotia. I don't know. But he got this brand-new light-colored glove, and Mark Bergevin, again, mm-hmm. he um, Al was at bat or he's on base, and Mark took the glove, and he had a Sharpie. And he was going around, and he was like uh, – Hey, guys, uh, this is for one of the fans over here. Can we sign the glove for this person? <laughs> so people, you know, he had a couple of, or he, had, he went to Rudy Poshek and poor Rudy. He was brand new on the team at the time, but Bergey had played with him in Tampa. So he had no problem messing with Rudy. Otherwise, you might get your face smashed in. Sure. Um, so he walks over to Rudy, and Rudy's a first guy. And he's like, hey, Rudy, we called him Putt Pie, by the way, because his face looked like someone smashed a putt pie in his face. Um now that being said, <laughs> you talk about nicknames. Yeah, Rudy Popeye. That was his name. Super sweet of everybody. If you take too. a I mean, if so. you take a Popeye, you put it upside down, you just smash it. That was his face. All right, good looking dude. Now yeah. that being said, clearly, goes over to Rudy and says the same thing. Hey, Rudy, we're signing this glove for a fan over there. And Rudy takes the sharpie and signs it, and. Then Al comes in after the inning, and he goes to use his glove out in the field, and it's autographed by Rudy Poshek. <laughs> Boy, I hope like, he still has it. Who the hell signed my glove? <laughs> Who's writing on my stuff? Oh, he was so mad. He was like, read the face, and then Rudy's like, I did. He's like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Rudy. I will, I will hang on to this. Oh God! But, but you had a party that it seems like uh, Mr. Plager would have would have loved every second. Bobby would have approved 100. percent And I think the biggest thing for Bobby, and we heard it all weekend, and then since he's passed, really is it was all about the team, right? Yeah. It's about the team and be a great teammate. 
He would have been thrilled to, I'm sure he was, at some looking down at us, looking at the morons that are in that room, <laughs> hugging each other and laughing and arm in arm and telling stories and talking about Bobby and doing shots of whiskey in Bobby's honor and doing all this stuff. He was smiling ear to ear, along with, you know, Barkley and his brother Bill, Jimmy Roberts, all the old goats that are up there now, they're looking down there like that's that's what we needed. That's pretty cool. It was Man. pretty awesome. Who's the, who's one of the guys that came into town that you were just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, I know that's a tough one to narrow down. It's tough. But... I'm trying to remember the evening right now. Jeff. <laughs> right, that, that's what I meant. We I can go to the security notes. footage if he would no, like. Oh no, those were shut off. No. <laughs> I was, he, uh, by the know, way, he's not kidding. I, w- I was a little shocked uh, to see Wayne there, not because Wayne wouldn't go. Um, but you never know if he's in town or right. not. Like he, he has a place in LA. He has a place in Edmonton. I think he's got like ten places. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know. It's by on that. But anyways, <laughs> so I was a little surprised, ha- pleasantly surprised to see Gretz there. Um, and Garth Butcher comes from all the way up Washington State. That's a long way to come in. But mm-hmm. again, you have to remember well, what number was Butchie? Five. Five. Yeah. Number five. And who did Bobby Plager love the way he played? Garth Butcher. Yeah. Right? You look at the number fives over the years. That number five has had a very similar presence. You got Bobby, obviously. Um, Barrett Jackman. Barrett Jackman, Garth Butcher, Rob Ramage. There's no messing around with yeah, that. Yeah, man. Five. That's a really great group. Yeah. So I'd say, I, I, I know we've talked about him before, but I think if I had to go through like some of my favorite blues players of all time, Barrett Jackman would be in that top group. He's a great dude. dude. I, I just, I, lo- I, I love that guy. And then when we had the chance to talk to him that day, he was so damn down to earth and, really and sweet. And I guess I just had him pegged as like a very quiet, a very morose, stoic, very yeah, stoic, kind of dude. And he was not like that at all. Guy, yeah. He is, you know, well, sure. No, but he is. But he's such a great dude. He loves to laugh. He loves to have drinks and and party and, and be a good dude. Like he's just like guy. I've ever told you guys the very first. The, the one story about Barrett Jackman, about one of his first NHL games? No. Okay, so Jax is, is a young kid, drafted to our team here, obviously. And, you know, I was taking him under my wing, like a good guy should. They probably You did well, man. They're probably horrified to keep him <laughs> away. <laughs> Barrett, wear garlic. <laughs> Jamie, teach him what not to do. Yeah. But, no, we were playing in Nashville, and... I didn't know much about Barrett Jackman. It's not like today where you can pull up YouTube or, you know, internet stuff. It's like you hear about a kid. He's a pretty good player, a pretty tough kid. He wasn't huge at the time, and he was very quiet, to your point, Donnie. And so we're playing against the Predators in Nashville, and it's a rough game. It always is a rough game. And they had a guy uh, on their team, uh, head the size of a buffalo, Denny Lambert. And he was tough. Danny was tough. I remember playing against Danny in the OHL, and he was a tough dude. He, honestly, his head was massive, but it was hard to hurt him. And he had some good fights against some tough guys. And so he kind of gets into it with Barrett a little bit in, like, the second period. And so I come flying in, and I grab Danny, like, kind of spear him and grab him. And I'm like, hey, leave the kid alone. Like, what are you doing? Like, he's 18 years old. It's his first game. Wake up, dummy. You know, and he kind of gets into it with me, and he's like, ah, you know, back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, just... Leave him alone. Well, then the next shift goes out and Barrett skates right over to him mm-hmm. and drops the gloves with him. Whoa. Like, goes after him. And they have a good go around. Barrett gets the best of them. And I'm sitting there on the ice. I'm looking at it. And then as Lambert's skating to the penalty box, I skated over and I said, 
Told you to leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> he was unglued. He was unglued. You son of a bitch. And I'm like. Trying to warn you. I, I had no idea. Oh, so then, dude. Then Bobby Plager, <laughs> we're talking to him, and Bobby was talking about, they called him Boomer. You know, Barrett Jackman, that was his. I'm like, holy crap. This kid's, not only is he a really good player, but he's really tough. And obviously, as his career went on, we saw how tough Barrett Jackman yeah. was on many levels. Not just fighting, but played through injuries, blocked shots with his face, did everything he could for the Blue Note. So, again, a number five that made the Blue Note very, very proud. Yeah, man, and I just, and that's, I've talked about it before, but I just get so pissed off when we, as fans, we we, we focus on the last year of a long career or, or two years as opposed to the exceptional body of work before it. And that's what pissed me off when it came to the Blues fans and Barrett Jackson. This is uh, rookie of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. he won. He Hello. won the Calder yeah. Trophy. Now, yeah. so here, interesting facts, which is fun, is Al McInnes won the Norris Trophy once in his career. Who was his partner? Barrett Jackman. Jamie Rivers. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Barrett Jackman won the Calder Trophy. Guess who his partner was? Al McInnes. No, they would have gave him the heart trophy if, if he was if he would have been that good player with me. I swear to this day, that's why Al won it. They felt so sorry for him. <laughs> oh, dudes. Well, uh, another episode oh, of the man. Last Minute Blues podcast in the books. Thank you very much for uh, for listening. Make sure you're sharing with your hockey loving friends uh, what we're doing here. You can always send us an email lmbp at one zero five seven thepoint dot com. We'll answer those at some point soon. We promise. Uh, Last Minute Blues podcast. Jamie, Jeff, Donnie, thank you very much for listening. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.